Hey guys, how you doing? This is JP Saricolia coming to you once again with another episode of H of Heroes, my podcast. Welcome to the podcast. And today, as you can see, uh, the the name of, of the title of this podcast is The Price is Right. And I want to talk about something that a lot of people hate to talk about. Um, they just don't really want to discuss. And it's in regards to high-end collectibles and in regards to the pricing. And uh, this um, has really caught my eye. In the last couple of days, I've seen some people, uh, you know, expressing their, you know, their satisfaction with pricing in regards to high-end collectibles. And when I mean high-end collectibles, I'm talking about statues. I'm talking about action figures. I, I'm talking about uh, die-casts, uh, models, replicas, all of those more... I would say more high-end, more expensive, more limited edition collectibles. And uh, I'm definitely there is concern in regards to the pricing. And But I want to um, talk about it because there's a lot of confusion. And there's a lot of misunderstanding um, and misconceptions in regards to pricing. And it's important to point those out so people can have a, a wider understanding, a more clear understanding of why is it that the price is uh, seem to go higher and higher as, as time progresses. So we'll talk about it today. Uh, but first, we need to go back to the beginning to really find out exactly where all this is going. Now, collectibles are something that people love for. It's not something new. It's not something that just happened in the last 10 years. You know, people have collected things uh, since back in the day before even time was considered time. You know, back in the Greek time, the Romans, the Chinese, the Asians, all those cultures, the Mayans, all of those cultures, everyone, there's always someone that collects art. Art is part of our lives. It's the first thing we created. The thing that really matters and throughout generation, through everything that has survived, every culture that you know, every place that you go, the ruins, the Mayans, the, you know, the Mesopotamians, the, the, the European cultures, all of them, all you can see what is left behind is their art. Art is such an important aspect of, of us, you know, of who we are, is the way we express ourselves. It's part of our culture. So people have collected things over time. You know, people have always collected precious gems, uh, metals and stones and all sort of things, weird things. And uh, we love them. And throughout generations, people have always collected things. And modern collecting is definitely part of that. It is a reflection of that, of who we are as people. We love beautiful things and we want to grab those things and make them our own. We want to be part of, we want them to be part of us. And this is something that we do now because the collectibles are so particularly sought out pieces. Things are rare to find. Um, they always have a higher price than anything else. You cannot say that a collectible should be comparable to the price of milk at the store or eggs or all those perishables that we eat because there are differences there. Those are things that we survive, we live with, they, they today things. But collectibles are certain things that are just put aside just for our own amusement. And that's the reason why they're always going to be more expensive than anything else. That's the reason you cannot compare a statue or an action, you know, in this case, a high-end action figure with a, you know, Know, a toy that is mass produced and sold at any retailer there are differences now we have to keep in mind that the price always changes and it's always there are variables in order to adjust the price and um, it is I have talked about this in this podcast before there is changes in the economy and I'm talking about the economy here in the US I'm talking about the worldwide economy and those affect the way uh, the markets behave, and that affects also the way the cost of production of a lot of this, you know, products, this um, 
luxury products and because of that that's reflected in the end in the price tag and the price that is introduced to us to the public now there are a lot of factors that determine the pricing not necessarily it's just companies trying to you know pretty much break the bank and trying to get your money out which companies do you know companies want to make money at the end of the day any company any high-end collectible any owner of those these companies are there to make money because it is a business you know they have people to pay they have overhead they have all those expenses and of course all of those need to be covered in order for them to produce what they need to give to the public they're not there for own their own self-consumption they're not there just to produce something for the fun of it you know they have to make money and as long as they have the ability you have they they, they have the artists they have the people that are capable to produce what we like and of course they have to they have the connections to make it happen of course we are going to have to pay for that product and of course the price is going to vary and the price has changed now I can tell you one thing I've been a collector a statue collector for for years now I remember I remember that I started really going heavily into statue collecting uh, with Sideshow products uh, over 10 years ago. That's when I started. And back in the day, the premium format figures, uh, comic kits and all that, uh, dioramas, uh, you're looking at a price between, they could be around $200, between two to $300. The premium formats, I remember when they came out, they were the high-end thing because they have the special cloth and all that stuff, all the mixed media. So they were around $300, something like that. And that was top of the line back then. You know, people were so, you know, it was a small niche group. There were not that many collectors. So the edition sizes were smaller, were, you know, not that many pieces. And, you know, you want the exclusive over the regular ones. So, so it was, you know, you pay the money and it was a sacrifice. But of course, over time, the price went up from 300, moved to 400, then 500, 600. Now you're looking at 900, $1,000 for a piece. Some people have said that it was actually the introduction of XM Studios that really changed the price, which is definitely not true. Uh, because XM just really kind of, you're paying for the what they're giving you, the quality and the content of the product. You know, they give you a lot of switch out things. All of that really adds up to the price. So it was not XM. It was a reflection of where the industry was going. Ultimately, of course, I should have to accommodate to that price. Now, uh, you know, now we have Iron Studios, for example. I've seen some people complain about the new Iron Studios lately, and that's what it's also that I want to talk about at the end of this podcast. The little 110 scale diorama that they have for... Um, the Batman and the Batmobile, 1989 Batman with the Batmobile, beautiful piece, beautiful piece. It's a 110 scale. So, you know, the price is uh, $9.99. So the price is $1,000. So a lot of people are really complaining about it. A lot of people are really dissatisfied with the price everywhere. You know, they have mentioned this and that. And I've seen so many, many comments and many people talking about that saying, well, the price is not right. It's only a 110 scale piece. It shouldn't be like that. And to me, when looking at it, I don't see the problem with the price. I know it's steep. I know it's expensive but people are missing the forest for the trees because they're looking at they thinking on the scale and not thinking on the actual size of the piece 110 you're thinking about 110 you're thinking about a figurine like this they're thinking about batman as a figurine and normally those figurines go for 150 or something like that at 110 scale so they're thinking about that little size of that figure they're not thinking about in this case the batmobile which is technically what this size probably is a 30 inches which is really hard and it has a lot of detail it's a diorama piece and um to me i know it's high you know i'm not saying that it is not now but i understand where they're coming from in the sense that the cost of producing this and how much it's going to cost to produce with all that detail now iron studios is a company from brazil 
And as we know, and you know, I mentioned this before, uh, the way that the markets are behaving right now financially worldwide, there is a, a lot of situations, that a lot of countries are going through some financial struggles. Brazil is one of them. They're going through some type of recession. Um, they're going through some struggles like any other country like the U.S. is going. We know recently in the U.S., here in the U.S., we uh, they have to reduce the lower rates of the, the this case up for, you know, lending homes, for mortgages and all that. Normally, that's oh, when they do that, it's a sign that we're going to go into a recession. And this been talked about this for quite a while, that they, we're going, we already have some signs that we're going to hit a recession uh, very, very soon. Some people don't want to believe it because they believe in the administration that we have right now, which I, I respect. But the, the bottom line is there's, there's a lot of signs that are showcasing that we're going through some struggles. Now, our, our dependency on China has always been there to the point and you know, everything is produced in China. China recently had to devalue their currency uh, so keep up with the things. And China is the biggest factory, the biggest producer in the entire world. All these products that we buy are manufactured in China. Iron Studios manufacturing in China, Saisha manufacturing in China, XM, every single company manufactures in China because it's cheaper, because it's the easiest thing to do, because they have the infrastructure, they have the factories, they have the equipment, they have the people, the workforce to get the job done. It is cheaper, but even though it's cheaper, the price is going up because China is also going through financial challenges and limitations. And that has affected the way things are. That affects, you know, the markets and all over the world. Europe is also going through some challenges. Canada is going through financial challenges. Every country in the world, every country in Latin America is going through financial challenges. All of that, because we live in a global market really affects in the end it's added to the cost it is more expensive to get the i would say the the materials to produce because you know of course you know they produce stuff in china but all those materials they use are are, you know taken from somewhere else it is more expensive it is more expensive to manufacture there are it's more expensive to transport because of the rising cost of gas to transport all this freights out of china to other parts of the world all of that adds up and it's added up to the, I would say, to the, the final cost of the products you buy at the market. That goes for anything. It applies to day-to-day things that you purchase at the store. It also applies to the collectibles you purchase because they're not made uh, by an artisan at home in a place, in a guile. They're made in a factory in China. That's where the problem is. That's where the situation happens. And I have talked about this, about it before in this podcast, talk about the repercussions of this battle, this uh, trade war between China and the U.S. that eventually is going to affect us even more. And it is doing it now. Now, I want to be very clear with this because sometimes people say, well, what well, has to do with anything? The price should be fair for people to buy. People are going to buy as long as the price is fair. Now, there are certain rules in order for a, any business to be financially sustainable. And those rules need to be applied in order for any business. And that includes SciShow. That includes any other company, Iron Studios, Kotobukiya, any company in the world, any company, that Hot Toys, any company that produces this uh, product. It is important for them to apply those rules. So I have a little page here um, and I'm going to show this to the people that are watching this in YouTube but I'll have this link for you 
on uh, on on the description for those that are listening to the podcast. And I'm going to this page. This is an old page. This is an old article back in 2008, but uh, Entrepreneur uh, Magazine. But it's called. It's in regards to marketing, and the the title of this article is Finding the Right Price for Your Retail Product. A very interesting. It's an old. It's based on the retail in detail uh, by Ronald L. Bond, who it is. Um, you know, it was a bigger article, an excerpt that, that he used, and he really explained how the retail works. And and it's very simple. It's the one that I found that it was the simplest for anyone that you know you don't have to be you know a mathematician to understand the basics of how retail is. But one of the simple um, the ethics of markup is one of the titles here. It says even though there is no hard and fast rule for price and merchandise, I'm reading this. Most retailers use a 50% markup known in the trade as Keystone. What this means in plain language is doubling your cost to establish the retail price. Because markup is figured as a percentage of the sales price, doubling the cost means a 50% markup. For example, if your cost an, of an item is a dollar, your selling price will be $2. 50% of $2 is $1, which is your markup. So this is something that you always have to add up to your cost. This definition of markup was probably developed to avoid using a term that admits to a 100% increase. Most consumers would be appalled that you are selling something for double what you pay for it. They would be inclined to ask why you don't carry a gun and a wear a mask. Most consumers have had no exposure to the myriad costs associated with retailing, and they are used to thinking in terms of net profit margins they have heard in the media. For example, an article in the business section of a newspaper might report that Megamart had sales of 500 millions and earned a net profit of 4%. An uninitiated reader might conclude that Megamart marks up its goods only for percent. In reality, net profit is calculated after overhead expenses have been subtracted from gross profit, total sales less cost of merchandise. Because of this common misconceptions about pricing on the part of the buying public, don't be surprised that some of you of your customers think you are Jack the Ripper when they find out about your markup. Uh, and I'm going to read the next part because I think it's very interesting. This is not really a long um, uh, read, although it is true that higher volume will make up for lower prices to some extent, unless you can sell as much as Kmart or Walmart, Kmart when it was used to be around. You absolutely need at least a 50% markup, Keystone, to survive in a small retail shop. Although doubling the price may sound outrageous, it does not result in excessive profits when you consider the expenses for rent, Taxes, insurance, supplies, uh, supplies, labor, etc. That you must pay. In other words, when you're paying, if it costs you, let's say something costs you to produce, I would say uh, five hundred dollars. You know, that's what you the cost, and that includes you know the the shipping and all of that. Now you you mark it up a thousand dollars. I'm using the example of this the statue. You still got to count after you take the five hundred dollar that you get out of that. You still have to consider that. Uh, you know, everybody else has to get paid. And in this case, with Iron Studios, who is distributed internationally by SciShow, a lot of hands get a part of a portion of that pie before there's in any profit that comes out of that. So all of that needs to be kept in mind. Sometimes you will have to sell, I'm, I'm still reading the next paragraph, an item at a lower markup if you believe you cannot compete at full keystone markup. Be careful, however, not to price too many items this way or you'll find nothing left for yourself at the end of the year. You can try to balance it out by marking some items up slightly higher to compensate for the lower markups and others. You can do this when you get a special discount or are able to buy items direct from a manufacturer. If you decide to use a markup other than the standard keystone 50%. And there is, you know, 
know, and this article also show you how to do the numbers, which is very, very easy. But um, what I'm trying to tell you with this is it's simple. Um, it is an interesting uh, read. It's, it's very quick, explain it very quickly, but that's how, you know, in this case, retail works. And that's how this company is because at the end of the day, SciShow is a retailer. You know, they manufacture the products and they sell it directly to the public. Uh, in this case, Iron Studios manufacture the products, but they have distributors. In this case, SciShow is a distributor or Iron Studios. So they have to get part of it because they're making money. They're not doing it as a favor. They're doing it as a business. That's the reason why they have that. And, you know, they depend with each other. This article is very simple, but it's explaining how retail works. And even though it was written back in 2008, the same rules apply and the same rules have been applied to uh, Mark, you know, for in this case, for retailers and the retailing world until now. Now, the thing is this, you do this in order to be able to be profitable because you have to consider you don't only have to pay the factories and that's not a cheap thing your factories you know they they have a price set independent on what how much detail you have to add to a piece that's how they're gonna price it and they're gonna tell you this is how much is going to cost you and depending on the addition sizes is going to also be uh, the, the the price is going to be dependent on the addition size if you only produce 500 pieces um, then you have to, you know, it's going to cost you a certain amount. Now you produce a thousand pieces. It's going to cost you probably less. But of course, it's going to take longer to produce because now you have to double the work. So definitely all of those factors are added into the, I would say, the equation that you have to, after that, you have to pay your painters, your sculptors, you have to pay the people that work in the process of, you know, building this stuff. You have to pay your business, your overhead, your insurance, your, all the stuff that you have as a business, all those expenditures, the marketing guys, you have to pay for all of those things to the end to get a percentage, which technically is what you make. That's why you profit at the end of the year, your margins and stuff like that which is in retail is very minimum. And some products sell better than others. Some pro some products probably have higher markups, yes, for sure, but, you know, versus others that they have less markup. But you cannot compare companies like this with Walmart that they always have lower markups because in reality, they sell in volume. The volume is so high. They sell thousands of thousands of pieces worldwide of the same thing. Well, of course, they have able to do it and can afford because they're making profit. But when you're talking about collectibles, when you're talking about very limited edition size, definitely there is a limit and of course everything is added people that complain all returns all of that adds to the value of something you have to consider all of those expenses prior to really set the price now what I can tell you with this now I'm coming to the end of this podcast before we go through all this rambling with numbers and stuff like that I'm not here to tell you that SciShow is on the right or RN Studio is on the right for the way they price stuff this is just a reflection of the times we, we are, you know, the part of we are. Yes, the price has been determined a lot by the way the market is behaving. It is determined by the market. As long as they're consumers, there will always be uh, people willing to pay. There will always be uh, differences in prices. That's why some things are more expensive than others. Uh, and, but there are a lot of variables that really contribute to the way pricing is done. That doesn't mean that the companies try to take advantage of the public. It's not that they want to want to sell something. They want to sell it, but they also want to make profit. And sometimes and not only with these pieces, you're talking about licenses. You know, they have to pay the licenses. They have to pay so much stuff in order to be sustainable. And it's not an easy thing. And they have to go through the chain. They don't have their own factories. They work with factories in China that work for multiple companies. And they have to work with their schedule. They have to work with their priorities. They have to pay probably a premium just to get their stuff done out first than other companies. So it, it is it is time consuming. It's a lengthy process. Now, 
I'm gonna tell you one thing. I noticed a lot of people that complain about this, the price of this piece are people that are not collecting 110. For them, it is unimaginable to pay so much money for something that is 110. But uh, that question should go more for people that actually collect that. Uh, this is the thing, and I was going to tell you this, and I learned this lesson the other day, well, kind of like I went through all the same thing. When I was going through um, my live videos, when I go, I was going through uh, my um, you know, uh, coverage of San Diego Comic Con, I was talking about uh, Hot Toys. The day that I really discussed Hot Toys, I was talking live, and, and I was mentioning about that I considered the price, I think it was a Hulkbuster, too too high in comparison to other pieces. Oh, it was a piece in comparison to the Hulkbuster. But one of the viewers, one of the followers of this channel, a subscriber, and I thank him for that, he corrected me in the live chat. He said, well, if this piece has this, 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 and that. You know, and this is, he is a hot toy collector. I'm not a hot toy collector. I love hot toys. I love the way they look, but I am not a collector of hot toys. So to me, the price was too steep for what it was because I'm just basing it based on my perception of things. Now, he corrected me because he said the price is right because this piece has metal parts. This piece has added things. There's a difference between this and that one. Yeah, that one's bigger, but has plastic. It mostly is plastic versus this one. So he corrected me, and I thank him for that. Because in my perception, something was wrong. And this is the problem. A lot of people, they come in from one third, one four. They're going to look at this. We say, well, that's too expensive because their perception is it's stained by the image of one four, one third. They look, think bigger is better as more expensive the bigger it is the more expensive and that's not the case it is all about the position it's all about demand like for example a house you can buy a house here where i live for 150 160 200 000 a really nice home that house will go for two million dollars in san diego you know it is just the way it is it is perception it is location it is demand and the same happens with this yeah this piece might be too expensive for some people but some people that are wanting collectors um, that they collect that size they might thinking, well, actually, that fits with me, then I can make that investment. And XM came out, you know, they were selling double the price of SciShow, and people were like, well, that's too much. But some people saw the value in it, and they collected it. They, they find it that it was actually worth the price. The same happens here. Now, I can compare this. You know, you like the same happens with uh, a lot of models. You know, like I talk about also in San Diego Comic Con. There were beautiful models there. One of the ones that caught my eye is the, in this case, the Enterprise uh, by Chronicles Collectibles. Beautiful, beautiful model of the Enterprise uh, for Star Trek. Now, the Enterprise, that one is over, if you go to the website, it's $2,000. And that is not even a 110 scale, not even a 112. That thing is probably a 100 scale or something like that. It's just ridiculous, the, the scale, when you think about scales. But that piece is $2,000. And you might think, wow, that's too much money. It's not the scale. Because you're looking at the scale. You're not thinking about what goes into it. Now, if I'm not a model collector, if I'm not a replica collector, that could mean we'd, we'd be crazy to pay that much money. But replica collectors know the price well. And they understand that that's an average price. If you look at the price of replicas, you'll know that that's a normal price for a lot of replicas. It's not out of the blue. So for some people, there is value. You know, back in the day, you know, years ago, I don't do that anymore. I used to collect watches. And you can say there are watches that can cost you $20,000, you know, $10,000, $5,000, $20,000, $50,000. And you can say, well, this, I can get a watch for, well, I don't know, $100 that looks the same, but they're not the same. Just because they look the same doesn't mean they're the same. Their they're differences is the way they've been manufactured. And of course, you know, the way they, the mechanicals, the internal parts that go along with it, that really determines the quality of something. You can have a 
Rolex or you can have a replica of a Rolex. They kind of look the same, but they're not the same. They're never the same. The same happens with collectibles. Just because you got something that looks like this and you're looking, oh, it's a 110 scale, you're thinking about a little 110 little piece, but you're not thinking about the whole thing, you know, the whole diorama. And that makes it bigger. It has a bigger footprint and imprint that is going to be, what, 30 inches, you know, big. So it's really wide. So it's really wide. So it definitely is going to take some real estate. This is not for the person that collects that. It's for, uh, you know, collects the 1314. It's for a person that collects 110 and is looking for that as particular piece for a diorama in a particular place in their collection now now to finally come to the end of this to the s to the end of this podcast i want to give you this this idea you know this idea this is when it's important for us to understand the necessity to stick with what we know and to stick with the collectibles that actually are part of what we collect you know and this is the problem i see the most people that are complaining about the price are people that only collect something different. You know, they collect one four, one third. There are other people that are complaining about the price because they were looking at it. In my opinion, I understand that you love, maybe you love Batman, maybe you love this, maybe you love the movie, whatever. You know, we all love the movie. But if you're not a collector of that, you should stay away from it. You know, you should stick with what you know. In this case, what actually fits in your profile. There's plenty of statues uh, of bigger scale of Batman from the movie. Stick with that. And definitely it will benefit your collection in the end. And uh, I think that's, in the end, that's the takeaway from that. Um, as a one six collector, I encountered that years ago. I used to go to Sideshow Freaks all the time, I remember, to the forum. And uh, I used to, you know, they, they even though Sideshow Freaks, a lot of people, they showcase other collectibles. And I used to showcase my collectibles and, you know, one of the threats. And I always encounter some haters because they say, oh, people, well, I don't like that. You know, that's not even a Sideshow. This isn't that. This is, you know, how much this and that. That's not even worth the price. This is the poor men's collectible. That's what they used to say. Because to them, they didn't matter. But I could tell you one thing. I pay a lot of the money for those, some of those pieces. I paid the same price for some uh, Boeing pieces, the same price uh, or even more than I pay for, uh, uh, I would say, a one-fourth premium format figure. Why? Because I was a collector of those things. I was a collector of the one-six scale. I was a Boeing collector. I still consider myself a Bowen collector. I still have Bowen pieces, but um, you know. But the thing is, this you know, for me, it, it had value. It, I was, it was worth the price. I love the scale. I love the smaller scales more than I love the big scales. Uh, I think it takes more effort. In my mind, I'm thinking it takes more work for something so small to be created, have all the detail that it has. And Iron Studios is able to create some things very small and put so much detail in a very tiny little thing. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. You know, something that is even harder for people when they, they produce in the casting to really recreate because it's so small in comparison to something bigger. So so, but people don't know that because they're not familiar with the process. Uh, but definitely it takes more work, more effort to really get the detail done and the paint job done the right way. So that's the reason why you can find that there are things that are small that are so expensive. I love chess, uh, you know, you know, you know, boxes, you know, and some of them can go for $2,000, tiny little pieces. Why? Because they are sought out because of the quantity of the material, because of the detail, the small detail. So you have to put everything into balance. If you only collect one four, stick with one four. If you want to change to 110, by my own means, but don't just this, that, that scale, just because it doesn't fit with your profile or your idea, your perception. You have to learn from that. The same way I learned that hot toy, just because to me, it doesn't seem the price right 
doesn't make it less so. And th- those are collectors of that. They understand the value of it better than I. But that's just, of course, my experience now and uh, something that I'm learning day to day with everything that I'm going through. So what is your opinion? What do you think about that? Do you think about the price still too high? You think actually it's okay? You know, just because it's too high doesn't mean that it's bad. Just because it's way beyond my means or my capacity to pay for that doesn't mean that they did a bad job on the pricing or it's not reflective of the cost. You know, we have to keep that in mind. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching uh, uh, here on YouTube. And my friends, God bless. Take care. And I'll talk to you again. Bye-bye.